And we're going to keep the movement moving on. As they say, we are now happy to be joined by Danny Haifong, contributing editor of Black Agenda Report, co-host of The Left Lens, and co-author of American Exceptionalism and American Innocence, a people's history of fake news from the Revolutionary War to the War on Terror. And you can support Danny's work at patreon.com slash Danny Haifong. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. It's good to be back, Sean. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And it's good to have you back, Danny. And, you know, I think that to say that uh, U.S. neoliberalism at home and imperialism abroad is in crisis is something of an overstatement. I mean, even if we just look at the domestic situation in the United States, we've got millions upon millions upon millions of people either living in poverty or under threat of poverty. Uh, we seem to be standing at the precipice of yet another economic recession, with some arguing that we may already be in one. And, uh, you know, rising prices of fuel and food, it just seems at every turn, uh, the masses of poor working and oppressed people in this country um, are, are watching their conditions worsen right before them. And uh, you recently published a piece about this on your Chronicles of, of Haiphong uh, Substack, Danny, entitled Ghost Stories of Capitalism watching the shutters of austerity close. And you actually told a very personal story about your own experience uh, working at a war on poverty program and uh, seeing just how the ravages of, neo of neoliberal capital can have an impact on human beings in real time. So I was hoping you could tell us some, uh, not only about that, but how you see it as connected uh, to the moment we're in right now in the US. Oh, for sure, for sure. So. Yeah, right after I got out of college in 2013, I was a social work major. I wanted to work in a community. I thought I was going to be a union organizer because I didn't think an agency setting was for me. But union organizing work, especially at the international level, aka like the national union level, it's grueling. You have to travel all across the country. It was not something I could see myself doing at that time. So I said, let me try to get into a community agency. Hard to find those kind of jobs, so I ended up in AmeriCorps program for a couple of months. I was paid like $15,000 for the year. Only stayed there for three months, and I uh, decided to take a job at what was called a community action program uh, that served uh, the Tri-City area in the greater Boston uh, part of Massachusetts. And uh, that job paid a little under double from what I was making, but it was still a very low wage job. And I went into it because it was rooted in the community and it had this history. It was a war on poverty program. That's what cap agencies were. It was called the second generation because it was formed in the late 70s, not the mid 60s when the war on poverty started, the so-called war on poverty that Lyndon Johnson waged. And in that moment of history, when these cap agencies came about, it was all a response to the so-called urban rebellions, the mainly black led rebellions in the cities, which were both an outgrowth of the vicious racism and white supremacy that black communities face, but also the fact that a disproportionate number of black people in these communities represented what some call the quote unquote underclass, the poorest sections of the working class. And so I joined this organization and really saw just how much neoliberalism and austerity, especially after the 2007-2008 crisis, had basically gutted the so-called social safety net of the 60s and prior, the New Deal, the War on Poverty. All of those programs were finding themselves underfunded. And so I went into this program serving homeless individuals who were sleeping outside on the street for the most part. And 
the agency closed within uh, 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 just over a year of me being there. And I saw just how much the workers there who all worked in the community, some of them were volunteers, uh, just how much they struggled. They were some of them were clients themselves. My colleague, her son died of an overdose. My supervisor was from Cape Verde. She was racially profiled by the police and every single day. Uh, there were instances where the police would harass our clients because homelessness is criminalized in the United States. And we would often have to call ambulances and we would try so hard not to have the ambulance bring, not to have the EMS service bring the police with them, whether it was calling them directly like, hey, could you not send the police? And oftentimes they would come, they would make the situation worse. And then I was in a union as well. And I was the shop steward, a very small union. And I was in negotiations and found out in those negotiations just how much in debt this agency was trying to keep programs afloat that weren't receiving government funds anymore. The state funding, the federal funding had washed up. And that's why ultimately the agency had to close. And that's why I called it the piece watching the shutters of austerity close because that's what austerity does. It takes everything. It, it, it shrinks government spending for the people and bloats the government spending for corporations. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing huge infusions of money into the corporate class, into the corporations, into the capitalist class. And we're seeing nothing, nothing at all for the people. So I wanted to show through my experience of being in such an intense environment of the poorest sections of the working class and how this poverty is completely ignored. We don't even hear the word most of the time. Joe Biden hasn't even said the word for most of his administration. And when he has, it's to to bo bo uh, boast about a so-called child poverty tax credit that expired after one year. So uh, this is sort of where we're at right now. We have this inflation crisis. We have the fact that U.S. capital is clamoring to bring the overall economy into a recession to supposedly stabilize prices. And all of it is to just maximize the profits of capital while taking the most as possible, as much as possible from working people and poor people. And Danny, you relayed with your own personal experience so Nine minutes. Uh, uh, connections uh, uh, to where the system is failing, even the people who are trying to work in the system to provide services to people. And as we are looking at, uh, as you as you point out, I think the, the title of the piece is so incredibly uh, uh, poignant, you know, watching the shutters of austerity close, looking at the different ways the system does not serve the people and all the ways that you mentioned, as we see austerity uh, failing, crumbling, uh, and this society and empire going right along with it, how can people use the lessons of your experiences to do better, to provide those kind of connective tissue services and build a system that does not do what this current system has done and is doing uh, to people not providing people any services or help right now? Yeah, well, I think it's I think there are many aspects to the approach that needs to be taken. On the one hand, 
we need people organizing independently and building their own uh, dues paying organizations, their own self-sustaining organizations to help meet these basic needs. What we were doing, I mean, this is what many people don't know. A lot of cap agencies have this history where you had Huey Newton and Bobby Seal. They were working for these for an agency like this in Oakland as they were beginning to figure out how to uh, develop the Black Panther Party, how to start it. And then, of course, we know about their survival programs and what they did in the community, independent of uh, agencies, independent of nonprofits, independent of the patronage of capital and its government. Because right now, what we're seeing is that agencies like the one I worked for, they are stripped so bare that things that, I mean, honestly, the Black Panther Party were doing, which is helping people get food, helping people get clothing, helping people get medical care. That's what we did, helping people just get to where they need to go, transportation, all of that. That's what we were trying to do. But our budget was a couple of a million dollars for more than a handful of programs and staff. It was not enough to meet people's needs. And every single year it seemed from what i was told uh housing you know the department of housing urban development hud which provided most of the funds these pro these programs were getting cut more and more and more so we need first to develop independent institutions so people who do that kind of organizing really need to be supported and then we need to realize that the democratic party is not the vehicle that we need politically to get the mass change, to get the systemic change that we need. I, I, Barack Obama was president while I was working at this agency, and all I could see were programs that were, one, necessary because of how the Obama administration bailed out the big banks. We had a whole legal department of people who were facing evictions, facing uh, a mortgage crisis, facing uh, potential loss of their home, we, we had a legal program, a shoestring legal program, three people just trying their best to help use whatever existing laws and rights people had to stop that process. And a lot of that was because people were still feeling the effects and people are still feeling the effects of 2007, 2008 economic crisis and how the Obama administration handled it. And so now we're seeing the Joe Biden administration do the same thing, a Democratic Party administration bailing out corporations, bailing out the banks. Uh, doing whatever they want because this whole wage price spiral conversation about inflation, let's bring down wages, let's raise interest rates to put a hurt on people, put a hurt on investment, put a hurt on jobs and put the economy in a, in a recession is not going to hurt the rich. They'll contract, they'll consolidate, and then they'll get bailed out. That's how these recessions have been working. And Democrats have been more than willing to facilitate this process. So we need uh, on the other hand, uh, at the other uh, side of the struggle, we need to develop another vehicle, a new vehicle that working people can express their political interests and uh, begin to build the capacity uh, for political power and demanding political power. Definitely. And in our last few minutes, Danny, I wanted to connect this with uh, the international situation. I mean, if we look at some of these other contradictions like, you know, uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson resigning uh, uh, recently, uh, the uh, alliance of uh, Emmanuel Macron in France lost its majority in, in the parliament as well. And of course, Joe Biden seeing his own um, uh, uh, approval numbers uh, circling the drain. I mean, how do you see uh, the international situation reflected in this uh, a decline in the neoliberal system. 
Well, I think we're seeing a real political crisis in the West because the ways that they've used economic warfare against Russia and China, because the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act is also uh, having a real role in raising inflation and just causing disruptions in the so-called supply chains. So the United States and the West are shooting themselves in the foot on the one hand, and on the other, uh, they are trying to facilitate an economic crisis worldwide in order to meet certain geopolitical objectives. So one of which is to isolate Europe and to make Europe a complete vassal of the United States' imperialist economy. And so they want to isolate Europe from Russia, which they've succeeded in doing. And now they want to also do the same with China, which was going to be far more difficult. Uh, but nonetheless, the pain is coming and already is here, really, for the United States and the West. And all of it is really in service of these very dangerous geopolitical ambitions, which is to wage this two-pronged war against Russia and China to, to build up the capacity to do so and to, as Biden says, build up these so-called alliances right, with countries like Japan, who just suffered uh, one of its kind of earth-shattering moments when Shinzo Abe was killed, the former uh, prime minister. Uh, all of this points to the fact that internally, uh, the, this Western imperialist system led by the United States is crumbling, and in large part it's crumbling because it is obsessed with expanding and maintaining an empire that no longer has legitimacy, whether it's politically, internally, or whether it's abroad, where there is no war with victory, and there also is uh, the this uh, decline in the influence that the West has in wielding its uh, economic, political, and military might. Uh, countries around the world, especially the rising giants in the East, Russia and China, they they and their allies are not uh, willing to submit completely, totally, if at all, to the diktats of imperialism anymore. And that's going to be, I think, a growing trend. And, and it's one we'll have to watch out for because it means that the that Western imperialism will get more belligerent and desperate uh, over the coming days, weeks, and months ahead. Definitely. And I mean, and in terms of, you know, the solution to this and what people should be doing, I mean, you touched on this a moment ago. Well, I'm going to read a paragraph from your uh, a piece about your time at the uh, War on Poverty program where you talked about, quote, despair is a normal reaction to the disparities and crimes of the U.S. capitalist system and its cruel empire. After all, half of the population is in or at risk of poverty and the toxic stress that comes with it. But taken too far and despair can paralyze people into seeking individual solutions to collective problems of class exploitation. Working class poor and oppressed people need a vehicle that develops their power and capacity to confront exploitation collectively and educate them towards an understanding of the system of capitalism and imperialism that drives it. Barack Obama and now Joe Biden are teaching us that the party is no such vehicle. And I absolutely agree that it's going to take a principled, organized and a militant movement to not only change these things, but to help, you know, shake us out of the despair uh, that these conditions would put us in. Well, we thank you so much, Danny, for joining us today. We're going to leave it there and we'll move to a break here on By Any Means Necessary on Radio Sputnik and Washington, D.C.